0: Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today serves as the pastor of the Ebenezer and Three Angels Seventh-day Adventist churches in Bronx, New York. This energetic servant of God has over 30 years experience in ministry. Pastor Charles P. Blythe, welcome to the Upward Way.
1: Thank you. Thank you, sir. Marlon, it's a pleasure being with you and sharing with you today. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: The pleasure is mine just the same. Now, Pastor Blythe, you have been in ministry for well over 30 years, and I must say congratulations on what must have been a remarkable experience. Could you just share with us a little as to what the journey has been like over all of those years, serving God's people as the shepherd of the flock?
1: If I should try to get one word to summarize it, I would say awesome with it's good times, it's bad times, it's, it's challenges. Like any other vocation or calling, it does come with the joys, but it also comes with the sorrows, and um, it has been a humbling experience to think that God would call someone from such humble beginnings um, in my little rural district in Delveland, Westmoreland, and now to have given me the opportunity to serve his church far and wide. It has been a blessing, real, real exciting a journey. I enjoy it. I enjoy pastoring. I enjoy serving. I, I just enjoy being with the brethren and sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ whenever and wherever he gives me that opportunity.
0: And if I should seem to be a teaser... Of all the different professions that you could have ventured into, why pastoral ministry?
1: Good question. So I was about, I'm trying to think it might be five or six years old, when I remember as young as that, walking around my community with a little stick mic in my hand, preaching to my neighbor's children. As early as that time, it's as if all I felt was a call of God that this is what I should do. So all my life. There was really nothing else that I wanted to do except for at a point in time when I explored meteorology. And later on, I still have the dream of being a pilot, but maybe we'll talk about that later. But other than that, um, my entire life growing up in the church has been about serving God. And I also think I can attribute that to some Excellent pastoral mentors who serve our church when I was a boy, admiring them. I think um, they were my inspiration as well. One in particular, an elderly pastor who told me years ago, I'm placing my mantle on your shoulder. I'm placing my mantle on you. I might have been about nine, ten years old when he told me that. I never forgot that. All my life, that is what that, that's how I felt that this is where God was leading me to serve.
0: Sounding like Elijah placing his mantle on elisha it's obvious you grew up in the church at what point along your journey would you say you became convinced that this christian pathway is the right one to choose and i'm satisfied with what i've seen and i'm ready now to surrender my life fully to god and be a christian
1: okay so there are two there would have to be two experiences with that the first was when i was nine years old and i got baptized And I gave my heart to Jesus. At that point in time, I just did it because everybody else was doing it. And I grew up in a Christian family. And that was the right thing to do, to get baptized. Honestly, I did feel committed and that I want to surrender to Jesus Christ. But when I actually recognized that this Christian thing was a serious thing, was in my late teens, early 20s, when I was serving my church as a youth leader, And the challenges of service came upon me, the difficulty of leading older and younger young people. As a teenager, I had young people who were in their 20s and some who were much, much younger children. And I was in the middle as a teenager leading all of these people. And at one point, it was overwhelming. I told God, I'm not going to do this. I I give up. I'm, I'm gone. And it was in that time that I found myself developing a habit of staying in the word of God, needing to be in his presence, and was challenged by one of my leaders in the church to get, let God be my anchor. And I think that is when I made a commitment to God that come with me, I'm going to continue to serve him. And that followed through in, in college when I decided to become a pastor. I went to college where there was one week of prayer where I learned about the real, loving, forgiving nature of God. And that also helped to seal my commitment and my deal that no matter what, this God and what he has done for me, I have nowhere else going. I will stay with him for as long as I live by his grace, not by my strength, but by his grace.
0: Thank you, Pastor. Quite a testimony. You know, people invest a whole lot of time developing their body. They will go to the gym. They are pumping weights. They develop their careers, but oftentimes the spiritual dimension is really and truly neglected. How do you, as a pastor, actively pursue your own spiritual growth?
1: It's no rocket science. It's clear, cut, straight. I'm sure you have heard this answer over and over, but repetition deepens impression. My Way of staying close to God and developing with him, getting up early in the morning, having communion with him in prayer and taking His word and hear him talking to me. That is where I find that I am strongest. I am a morning person, so I prefer to be in the Word early in the morning and to hear from God and to talk to him and wrestle with him about the challenges of the day and all that is out there, but more so just to be in his presence. And and, and, and I find it always a, a joy and delight to hear from God. And each time I go into his presence, I get more and more of his strength, his power to carry on. Um, we can't do this by ourselves. And so I believe in the word. I, I stick with the word. I also um, have two solid prayer partners accountability partners who I pray with every single day, 5.30 every morning. Um, So after my personal thing, then I have them pray with me. We have been doing this for maybe four or five years plus now. And um, every single morning we meet except for when I have to be away or they have to be away. But either way, two of them, two of us would still be praying. And we, we have been doing this. I find that has been a tower of strength and foundation for my Christian growth and I, I thank God for, for those partners in ministry who helped me along.
0: Sounds like Jesus' model. The Bible tells us that very early in the morning, before the break of day, he would separate himself to a quiet place where he would spend time communing with the Father. And this is something that I need to put more into practice as it relates to my life. On the matter of hearing from God, hearing God's voice, I am sure that he has placed many, many messages on your heart over the years. So what has been maybe the chief way he has communicated to you or maybe what has been your preferred medium for God to communicate with
1: you? Again, through prayer, through the word and and through inspired writings, we here in the Seventh-day Adventist Church have the blessing and benefit of Last Day Messenger, Ellen G. White. I I read a lot of her books, Steps to Christ, Deserve Ages, are my favorites, Great Controversy, and others. But I also hear um, from other writers, and I'd love also to listen to other preachers, other inspired pastors, preachers, evangelists. I glean as best as possible widely and far from various sources um, to assist in my um, development of my own personal walk with him and of course in preparing to deliver whatever messages God has for me. I also keep abreast with social social um, activities and events and then what's going on around because you also need to be relevant to speak to what is happening in in, in the world around you. So I try to be as current as possible and hear him speaking to me, calling me to address some of these issues as well. So there are various ways in which he he gets my attention and that I find that he communicates his message to me.
0: Wonderful. I really appreciate the fact that you mentioned relevance because you could simply say, God, speak to me um, all the time. So why do I need to pay attention to what is happening around me? So being relevant as the shepherd of the flock, it's absolutely important. Amen. My memories of you actually have been of you serving as Youth Ministers Director of the Central Jamaica Conference of Seventh day Adventist Churches. And though you may not have heard it from me or from them, the brethren at my church, Glengoff Seventh day Adventist Church, were always impressed by the energy that you exude, the, the joy that you brought to ministry, and they were always captivated by the work that you do so when you talk about that relevancy i can really and truly relate to having experienced it firsthand as one of would say one of your sheep yes in the wider central jamaica conference of seventh-day adventist churches
1: praise god
0: this question might seem like a trick question or it may even seem silly to some persons but has god ever given you an assignment and you just said god no this assignment is not for me please not here not this that's easy.
1: That's very, very easy. You have two of them, two of them right off the bat. My very, very first pastoral district assignment in Jamaica was to have gone to Pastor Upper Trelawney. At that time, South Trelawney, everybody was against going to Pastor South Trelawney. It was considered Siberia. It's as if you're sentenced to the wilderness. <laughs> when, you're, when you're called to go pastor there. Yeah. I huffed, I puffed, I argued, I talked to the conference prayer, I'm not going. And, and what made it even more interesting is that I had done about four or five, maybe six months there prayer as an intern pastor. So I knew the territory and I swear I wasn't going back there based on the experience I had when I was a an intern or junior pastor. So now to have had that as my first ever District assignment. Oh, no, that I wasn't having it. I can tell you, after all the huffing and puffing, one of my senior colleagues at the union then encouraged me, said, go, man, go and do your best. I went. To date, it is one of my best pastoral assignments ever. I still look back at it, and I believe those are the, my glory days. And I've never had as many baptisms in one year In My first, my very first year in that district, first year in full-time ministry, we baptized 11 souls short of 300. So we baptized 289 people, and I did all of them single-handedly by myself in one year. That was never done it before. That was the greatest of all. So after my huffing and puffing, God showed me this is where you were to go. The second one is where I am now in New York. Long before I took a call to come to the United States, I was serving first in Maryland, in Baltimore, Maryland. And um, long before I even thought of leaving Jamaica or going anywhere else to serve, I swore that there's one place in the world, and you must never swear now that I look back at it, one place in the world I would never live or work for nothing, not just pastoring, any reason was New York city. Never. It's not going to happen. I'm never going to live here. I'm not going to work in New York. I can look back now and say, God is just mischievous in, in the little boy says, or tricky, or I don't know what the word is, but he, he works in mysterious ways. That's the, that's the correct way to say, it. but I'm telling you coming to New York a little over two years ago was one of the best things that happened to my ministry a place I swear I would never live, I would never work, not just ministry, generally. I just don't like the setup of the city life and not the fast. I'm the kind of laid back kind of person. And so New York life was never going to be mine, nowhere, no time. But God so have it that since I've been here, it has, I've met some of the sweetest saints, cooperative. Ministry is awesome. And these past two years have been two of my best in ministry. So I just know this is God's doing because I that's an assignment. If I were to choose it, it would never be on my top of my it would never be on the list much more on the on the top. <laughs> so this is God's doing. <laughs>
0: Yes, a friend of mine told me a few years ago that God has a sense of humor. So I will pin it down to God's own sense of humor. As you talk about reaching out doing God's will, there are many persons who have a problem. They have a challenge understanding God's uh, purpose for their lives. And they have a challenge understanding how God leads, how God operates. And because of that lack of understanding, sometimes they, you know, walk away from the faith, they throw in the towel, so to speak. With all of your years, of, you know, as first as as a human being in general, then as a pastor, what would you say is maybe the greatest contributor to persons actually just giving up on their faith?
1: Mm, that is a very interesting question. So let me say it this way, because there are times when People walk away from the church, but not necessarily from God, because those are two different things. Um, unfortunately, most times we as members of the church interpret them to be one and the same, but it's not necessarily so. Why people walk away from the church is a different story altogether. If we're talking about forgetting about God completely, now that is deep. That is one of the hardest things for any human being to understand. The same way you can't necessarily tell what's part people to accept Jesus, it's difficult to pinpoint what makes them walk away from God completely. It could be anything. It could be any any one of a change of ideology, maybe influence of other persons just being disenchanted with with their experience with him, disappointed that maybe he didn't come through for them the way they thought he would, and so on and so on and so on. that's that's in terms of God. However, again, a lot of people interpret that leaving the church to be the same. So as it relates to the church now, that we can find a whole lot more reason. It could be somebody in the church who just um, did not treat them well and unfortunately we have a whole lot of that experience where people in the church who are supposed to be Christians, unfortunately, don't behave like it. And in my experience, that's one of the main reasons people leave the church, not necessarily God, but the church. And and, um, unfortunately, we have not done a very, very good job of marketing our Jesus, of selling our Jesus, of making him look attractive, even to members in our church. And so that's something the church needs to look at seriously. So that we do not hurt or injure people, I've discovered that when people have a very solid relationship with other members in the body of Christ, they tend to stick more and enjoy fellowship with the body of Christ. Um, of course, there are other reasons. There are the personal reasons people have. They might just decide that this is not for them. Maybe they 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 just lost their way. Um, maybe there are other things that excite them, other things that interest them. Many many other reasons, but. My personal experience is that a number of persons tend to leave because they felt a disconnect be- between what we say and how we live, what we preach, and how we behave to them. And and that's unfortunate. I pray that God will change that and that people will see genuineness in what we do as, as servants of his, as his children.
0: Wonderful, Pastor. And, and I really appreciate you making that, that differentiation because many times we really and truly do not recognize that they are not one and the same. Right. You come across as such an you know, effervescent, energetic person and uh, as would say, you know, you, larger than life And kind of personality. <laughs> <laughs> now, what do you think would surprise most people about you and maybe why?
1: That I'm an, that I'm an introvert, that I don't like being upfront, that my place is in the background, that I am very scared of public life and publicity and exposure. That, that my best place is in a corner where I can plan and coordinate and lead from behind and, and, and guide the process. But I will be in the background. Uh, yeah, that, every time I say that to people, you, you, Pastor Blythe, you an introvert? No, I don't see that, Well, really. yes, yes. In fact, um, I surprised myself some years ago when I did my master's in counseling psychology, and one of my professors ran this um, personality test, um, temperament test on, on, on the students, and he discovered that my result came back split 50-50 extrovert-introvert. So this, he has never seen that. He was shocked. He said, wow, I've never seen this anywhere, somebody being 50% extrovert, 50% introvert, either you're one or the other. But I was split down the middle. And so he called me in, going through my test questions to see why I was scoring 50-50 extrovert-introvert on my temperament test sorter. And he discovered all of the extrovert-leaning items were dealing with my professional life as a pastor. And all of the introvert-leaning test items were my personal life. So basically, I was being Extroverted because of what I do. But personally, if you leave it to me as a person, I am a born full-blown introvert. So if I wasn't, if I didn't wasn't in a profession where I had to be up front, maybe you wouldn't even know that I exist because I like to be in the background. But um yeah, yeah. So that's that that I think is the is the thing that would sk- frighten most people. They believe I'm an effervescent outgoing. No, I, I like my corner, I like my quiet space. I like to be in the background.
0: <laughs> I, I must say that that is also a surprise to me. I would, <laughs> down, I would pin it down to, to a passage in, in Isaiah, I believe, maybe chapter 6, verse 8. And the, the, the question that was raised, you know, who will go, I'm just paraphrasing, mm-hmm. into the hills of the Lord, or who will go and do my work? And the answer was, here am I, Lord, send me. So You're right. I would pin it down to your willingness to serve that, that causes you to forget about that personal thing being you know introverted and say, Lord hear my mm-hmm. <laughs> send me.
1: You're right amen.
0: <laughs> yes, and, uh, I must really give 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 God thanks that you really answered his call to ministry.
1: Amen.
0: Question here um, that speaks to you know struggles that we undergo as human beings and of course being a pastor you're not immune to that. Now, what might have been one of or some of your greatest obstacles? And of course, what has been your strategy to overcoming those obstacles or maybe that
1: obstacle? Uh, Wow. Which pastor cannot just give you a whole list, a whole grocery supermarket list of those (laughs) issues? Um, I've had them. I've I've had my fair share of challenges and struggles. Um, Unfortunately, we, we live in a, well, we live in a real world. We live in a sinful world. And I think that's the first thing we all have to accept and understand that in this world of sin, we will not have things perfectly. There are going to be challenges. And even the best of us can become very obnoxious and terrible. And I've discovered that even in ministry, we have some not so wonderful people. And I've had my experience, bad experiences, in the church, serving as a pastor, with other colleagues who make your life difficult. And at one point, even to the extent that I decided I was going to leave ministry, I, I was done with it. I, I couldn't deal with the hypocrisy anymore. It, it was creating anxiety and problems in my family. I, I discovered it was affecting my marriage, how I relate to my wife, I mean, I'm not blaming people for my actions, but I recognized that it was just not normal what was going on, and I knew there was something driving it. And I and I can say that now because I discovered after that same counseling program that I took that that was what saved me and, and brought me back to sanity. Why I'm still here in ministry today. So, so yes, um, there is that. Not everybody who even has been called to ministry is sanctified. And you do have those challenges and tests that sometimes you, you wish you had never been a part of this at all. But two years ago, I had my worst experience ever in my 30 years in ministry, when I had to literally walk away from a church, not colleagues, but a church that tests my patience to the limit. Never in my life had I had any experience like that. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't want to go into details because I don't know who will listen to this podcast, <laughs> but it has been a test of a test. I thank God for it because it has made me a better person. And that is one of the reasons when, I, when you asked earlier about um, an assignment I didn't want and God surprised me with that. Trust me, the best thing that could ever happen to me those past two years was me coming to New York to find a different environment where ministry is so much better and sweeter because I'm telling you that particular ministry assignment was toxic for me, for my wife, for my children, and it was going to drive me crazy. So I thank God. In fact, I can tell you as I speak, that church is still giving the other pastor all the trouble in the world. So it's not just me. So it's at least three, four pastors have been there and had to leave the same way because of so there are those experiences you have in ministry um so i know it's not just me everybody knows that that church has that reputation you know so so when i say everybody people who have been there but yeah you do have those experiences i i went through a horrible period of stress depression it took a heavy toll on me a real heavy toll on me 2 years ago a little over 2 years ago but thank god i survived that i'm in a much better place i'm happy and like I said, God sent New York the place I thought I would never be to be my savior in that particular situation.
0: Thank you for saying that, Pastor. It's, it's really humbling. And uh, what is joyful is that you said you are no longer in that situation. But my takeaway, as you say, it has been a humbling experience. Mm-hmm. Being where you are in life, you know, if you could give God thanks for one person that you have met on your journey, who would that be and maybe why?
1: Yes, there are three of them. So I usually tell people when when I go to church and they have testimony services, and I hear people talk about, oh man, I was a gunman, I was this, I was in drugs. I don't have any such testimony. I was never in any of those. So here is how my testimony would normally go. My testimony would say, Lord, I thank you for the day. When you allowed me to be born in a Christian family with Christian parents, my greatest encourager support in my Christian walk was my daddy, who was the foundation of all of us eight children who are still in the church in the faith today, some working and serving the church. In fact, I have another brother in Jamaica who is a pastor, who is a president of a conference in Jamaica, And all other brothers and sisters, all eight of us still in the faith. And I can truly say our father, my father, who died about four years now, is, has been that prime solid person, the stability in my Christian walk. Since then, I've met a number of other persons. My best, one of my best friends, Pastor George P. Williams, who pastors in Florida. He has been a mentor when I was in college And then currently, I have, as I mentioned earlier, my two prayer partners, Brother John and Helen, who I met when I was in in Baltimore at that church. To date, we still pray together. We talk about everything. We share everything. And they're kind of my accountability go to people encouraging me. They prayed me through those times of depression. Those six months when that depression was hitting me hard two years ago they were there holding my hand and walking me through it, praying me with me through it. So I would say I've had some blessings of great people who have helped me along in my Christian ex- And we all need them, by the way. And I would encourage everybody, have somebody. You need somebody. You need a big brother, big sister. You need that person who you can call on to pray with you. Pastors need them too. And every one of us need that in our lives. So please find that person who can be, your encourager your strength when you need to somebody to lean on
0: we all need somebody to lean on earlier in the interview you alluded to maybe different different options you had in terms of profession or a different path you could have taken so apart from pastoral ministry what other profession would you say you would like to embark on
1: so if it is one day before i die my greatest joy and satisfaction would be to lift a plane off the earth and land it back, and then Jesus can come. So I still have this dream of being a pilot. So if anybody's out there listening, want to sponsor somebody to make it, I would love to even fly for Adventist mission over the world, but unfortunately, the pastor's salary can't afford that (laughs) at the time. So if anybody wants to sponsor somebody, to to fly. But yes, I'm I'm fascinated with flying. I I would love one day to fly a plane and and, and and maybe when I retire and have time to take out something, maybe that's something I would explore. But yeah, I'm fascinated with being a pilot. Um that's the only other field I think I would, would love to explore. That's that's has been my pet dream for a long, 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 long time. Yeah, that that's it, guys. Nothing else. That's that's it. <laughs>
0: All right, Pastor, and we are taught we should never say never. The sky is that's different. right. So that's right. Nothing actually is impossible with God. When I read the the story of Joseph, there's a part of that narrative that just seems to speak to me. Actually, it, it's as if it mirrors my own uh, my own experience. Is there a Bible character that you can relate to, or whose story you would say mirror your own life?
1: You know. Honestly, um, there are two of them. One is the same Joseph that you spoke about there. Always admire Joseph. Always like to preach about him and his struggle and how God helped him and brought him through. The other one is, of course, the Apostle Paul. I really admire Paul. I, I admire how with all the batterings, persecution, which I think in my, if I should, if I should say it this way, Paul is the New Testament Joseph, and Joseph is the Old Testament Paul. I think both of them kind of had those difficult challenges in my mind, and I think that's why they both resonate with me like that. Hardships, struggles, times when it seemed as if they were down and out, but God used them mightily in his work um, to create real life-changing, life-transforming experiences in the lives of individuals. So yeah. I would say it's between somewhere between Joseph and the apostle Paul who would be my biblical uh, narrative mentors as I look at their their lives and mine I admire how how you know they were able to overcome and I think to a great extent their their story speaks to my life and how God has led me personally
0: in a conversation with someone who has never heard about God or Maybe this person has heard about God, but he's struggling you know, to grapple, to make sense of this, this whole idea of God, this whole concept of God. What would you say to this person in terms of who is God to <laughs> Pastor Charles Blythe?
1: My friend, my helper, my provider, my healer, my strength, my rock, my savior, my all and in all. In my good times, he's never disappointed me, he's never let me down. In my bad times, he's there with me all the way. This God, for me, will be my God forever and ever. He is the only true God, the only creator, the only one who sustains. Despite the fact that he is the potentate, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God, the one who can do everything and who owns and holds everything in his hands, yet this God chooses to make me his personal friend and wants to have a personal one-on-one intimate relationship with me. This God chooses to dwell in my heart, even though he inhabits all of space and the entire universe. He insists that he wants to be my personal friend. And I believe that when you find him, he will be your personal friend too, and you just will not be able to have enough words. I can't find enough words right now to testify of this God and how he has been with me and what he has done for me. And it's not so much what he has done for me as how, as much as who he is, full stop, and who he is to me. He is just awesome. And, and the best thing that I could ever do is not to preach so much about him, but hopefully in my lifestyle to demonstrate to that person and those persons what god has done for me and that they would see the light in me and come to know him and love him too
0: he is my all in all we have been listening to pastor charles p blythe the pastor of the emmanuel and three Angels seventh-day Adventist churches in bronx new york Pastor Blythe, it has been a pleasure talking with you. And I must once more say thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to share with us your story. Now, just before we go, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners?
1: Sure. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Sir Walters. It It is a pleasure. I just want to say, as I personally examine the world we are in today and see what is happening, it is very clear to me that our God is coming soon. He's be, he'll be back soon. He made that promise to us. I want to encourage everyone listening, even if you do not, never heard of him. Maybe you never thought about him. Maybe you don't even like the idea of Christianity or Bible. Well, I'm not trying to force anything on anybody. My, my, my simple thing is give him a try. Trust me, he's the only solution. He's the only answer to this world's problems. And if you see the crisis we have been through in 2020 and what we're going through now, the political unrest right here in the United States of America, it is clear we have come to unprecedented times. And I believe that these signs are telling us that our Jesus, our God, is coming back very soon. First, he came as a baby. He died. He gave his life, sacrificed his life for you. So you can live and you can have life. He did that for you, went all the way and gave his life for you because he loves you. And now he promises that he will be coming back for you. I say, make this God your choice. Look at him and see what he has done for you. Read his word. And I challenge you, you would never be the same again. I pray that you will be ready and I will be ready. So when our God returns, we all will be faithful and waiting to go home with him. That's my word of encouragement to all of you listening today.
0: Amen. 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 Let the church say amen. You've been listening to the Upward Way podcast. The number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.